the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is The Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search The Rob Black Show. And now, Rob Black. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. so dedicated to getting you to retirement. When I got into the industry, I was kind of a disruptor. I liked growth stocks. The industry liked value stocks. I brought the young person's mind to the game. Now it's an even younger person's game. So now I'm looking like the old dinosaur that I displaced. I got these little teeny tiny dinosaur arms and I got teeth that can't quite... How shall we say ripping in meat? I'm kind of a vegetarian per se. It's time to put me out to pasture and have a comet hit the earth and take me out. I feel that the rules of investing have changed. Will it turn out to be short term? Will Dogecoin, will meme stocks be the new way of going forevermore? Will the short term focus rule the day? Or will we get back to normal where it's long term wealth accumulation? That's what I do. I feel that real estate has changed. I feel that pensions have changed. I feel that we got to look at the way we look at assets and liabilities differently as we age. My parents, it was pretty easy to buy a home for them. My dad was in the military. He had a salary. As part of being in the military, they give you a housing allowance, and they basically put you in a pretty nice house. So he didn't have to buy his first private home until after he retired. So I didn't grow up learning about mortgages. I didn't grow up learning about taking a look at the condition of the home or the, the, the foundation. I didn't know what waivers were appropriate and or not. California taught me about bolting down a house. <laughs> you can bolt a house down? Yeah, you can bolt a house down. So you got to be very, very open-minded. When you think about real estate investing, the first thing that probably comes to mind is home. There's the Talking Head song, Home. It's where I want to be. Pick me up and turn me around. I think you can hear the word home or heaven or angel in probably one out of every four songs easily. Join me today, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. It's been a while since he's been in studio. Let's see if his microphone is actually working and to see if he tested it. Good morning. Sounds like it's on. It's a miracle. It's been a long time since I've been here. Yes, it has. Try to stay on mic if you could. Uh, real estate investors have a lot of options these days. 30-year, uh, 15-year arms, uh, points, no points. There's, there's a lot of uh, words and acronyms that we need to be familiar with. But uh, we're going to get into it about the history of buying homes, you, you and me. We could talk about our own situations for sure. I think uh, throw down some righteous lessons. lessons. Uh, 
how's the real estate market doing these days? How's the, how's the mortgage market, the, the underlying funding of the real estate market doing? Yeah, it was interesting when you were just talking about how the investing has changed for a lot of people, especially you. Yep. you know, um, the mortgage industry did a massive change leading up to the Great Recession where a lot of riskier products came out. People, it, they tried to incentivize people to get into mortgages, get into houses. And now we've gone back to the old days where it was you know, tighter guidelines and making it a little bit harder for people, um, qualified mortgages and the ability to repay rules. So we've kind of gone backwards to what it was supposed to be like before the Great Recession. So as far as mortgages are concerned, it's, it's nearly the same that it was prior to the Great Recession. But no, it's, it's great. Uh, I've always have a great saying that the harder the loan or the more complicated the loan, the harder the guidelines, the lower the rate you get. The... <laughs> Going to your microphone once already. The, um, and the, the easier the guidelines, the higher the rate. So we have something now called non-qualified mortgages. So that's a, a new part of the market, which kind of replaced what they call non-subprime uh, loans. Yeah. So, there, you know, there's some changes, but it, when it comes to, uh, you know, the same qualifications, you still have to make Have you seen a difference in people who qualify and people who don't? Like right now, you can look, take a look at this room and you see two Caucasian white guys. Um, you can look to your left, see the, the producer, you can look to your right. Have the people changed who are asking for mortgages? Yeah. Nicer I mean, clothes? Wait, wait. We came out of a very interesting time, the Great Recession, and I think we have a wiser yeah. consumer. Uh, people pay more attention to their credit. People pay more attention to the the way that they record their income, especially investors when it comes to like their tax returns. And they're now asking more questions about how do I end up with a better usable income? How do I improve my credit score? So people are more involved with that type of aspect of the, the mortgage transaction. Real estate's always going to be that, you know, ultimate goal for most people, most families. So we always see that drive that's always been there. It's just the way people approach it may have changed a little bit. They're, I believe people are wiser. Credit scores have, have uh, gone up probably like 30 points on average since in the last 10 years. So we are seeing more people getting involved. As simple as those apps like Credit Karma. Credit Karma is awesome. And it just gets you involved. I remember the first year you had it, you said, oh, somebody's trying to buy a car with my, my credit. Right. And... It, it just gets you involved in, and but it's a cheap way of following yeah. your own credit to protect yourself, and you can actually see what new accounts are opened up. My, I get a text message if I open up a new account. Um, I love it. I think it's one of the better uses of a smartphone. Um, it, it, it's pretty app uh, applicable to lifestyles. But credit karma. So you're saying that younger people are more in tune with their finances than, I, they, than you were, they I are. were twenty years ago. They are. Okay. Um, they, they're exposed earlier on the, you know, not just through media, but through the the availability of apps and other technologies that we didn't have. When, right. I, when I first got into finance, I didn't even know what, what my credit score was. I didn't know that I could ruin my credit really, really fast, and it took me a really long time to get it repaired. Like you learn that very quickly. Um, so I, I was lucky to learn those lessons early in life instead of later. Yeah. Um, and and people still make those mistakes. Uh, and, it, and it's funny that we end up talking about credit a lot because it, it, it's such a credit-heavy uh, industry. Right. Um, not just the mortgage industry, but everything, uh, cars and even furniture, credit cards, and, and it goes Jobs. On. Jobs. Um, so, yeah, the younger the – If I younger, hire someone these days, I check their credit to make sure that they pay their bills on time. Yeah. It's a really stupid thing, and 
but it kind of tells you what what are you hiring? Are you hiring someone who's uh, you know bought a car and skipped out on it? Yep, the three C's, hiring, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so the younger the younger clientele do, do come to us as, um, with a lot more. Um, I don't want to say wisdom, but okay. knowledge. Uh, the wisdom comes later. It's funny because I, I'm starting to think because I've known you for 25 plus years. I've known CFP Chad Burton for 25 years. I, I I'm pretty loyal to the people that I know in the financial industry. Um. My first house was $100,000. I think I paid $96,500 for it. And I remember, like, the stress of being 25 years old and, like, I wonder if I can afford this. And it, it was a glorified apartment. It was a townhouse. Um, I still remember the address. I still remember the closing agent. I mean, I remember being stunned by the paperwork. I just closed on a $3 million home. And I docu-signed everything. Yep. So no paperwork, no lawyers. It just dink, 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 dink. I'm, I, I didn't read it 25 years ago when they brought, you know, 500 pages printed and sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. And I certainly didn't read it this time. That that could be very scary, and uh, but not for somebody who's bought real estate and seen the changes year yeah. over year. So you've seen how everything's adapted, but for a, a, a person, a first-time home buyer, somebody who's in their early 30s, that might seem odd for somebody like us who are older looking at a buyer seeing that type of transaction, but they're used to it. That's the technology and wisdom that they're bringing. Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com taking us out to break. This is The Rob Black Show. Um, real estate we were talking about today, I have Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BALLS for short. B-A-L-S.com. BayAreaLoanSource. That's how I always remember it. Um, we're talking real estate, and during the break, it's often the best conversation because you're out of radio mode. You're in conversation mode. Try to stay in conversation mode. Okie dokie. Um, <laughs> I talked about the first house I bought was like $99,000. That's crazy. And I just did a home where I'm at the age now where I wanted a different lifestyle. I want to go out on the back deck, watch the sunset, have a glass of wine. Current home I'm in now, 1,600 square feet, 1,700 square feet with a small addition in the back office. Too small for me. Um, when you have two kids who are one walking down the hallway, he's almost six feet tall now. He's a man. And uh, I'm like, go to your prison cell. So I had to get more space. But um, things change, right? So that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You remember my first home. You, you, you basically described what it's been like for many, many generations of owning homes. They buy a starter home, then they go to the next yep. home. They, in a lot of cases, they have to move you know, based on work and family issues. And, um, and then you, you're, you step up every single time. Then you know, you've seen the equity grow, and you're able to move it. And, and my dad did it. Um, and my, we're all my, different is what I yeah. want to like, talk about for a second. Like I'm looking at Andrew. And I think he's like 35-ish. He's a board op here, uh, or producer for the show. He's awesome at what he does. But I'm like, I bet he doesn't own a home because it's California. Would he own a home in Virginia or in Tennessee working at a radio station? Probably. Probably. And uh, that's a little bit of a difference, right? And then I look at you, and like uh, you've got a property in Reno. You have a property in Virginia. Um, I have a property in North Carolina that's a rental that I don't even know anything about it, dude. Like I forget that I even own it. Right, because I have a rental management company, and I say eh, I don't need to make don't 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 charge eighteen hundred a month, charge twelve hundred. I don't need to gouge people. I don't need anything like that. I, I'd, I'd rather have like fly under the radar kind of approach to it. And yet, you were talking, you know, people that are like they babysit every decision. 
Um, the person I just bought a home from, she's a freak. She's put it on the market. She's taken it off the market. She's put it on the market. Um, didn't want to part with anything in the, she wanted all the pots, all the plants. Like, come on, leave a plant behind, you know? <laughs> There's definitely a different mindset between different types of investors. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, we, we see that difference all the time, especially when it comes to the details. You can tell instantly how involved people are in their real estate. Some people have gotten lucky and they're just like, yeah, I own real estate. You know, how much is, what's your mortgage? What's your taxes on this property? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to look it up. And then there's other people, of course, who know every single detail. And you, and you can tell right away how, you know, whether they were kind of, I don't want to say classically trained, but there are some people who really have self-taught themse- themselves in investing in real estate. And you can really, it really makes a big difference. I read a great story about a guy who, who is 30 years old and ended up buying four properties. And now it earns him about $10,000 a month just because he, you know, he cut the cor- he he didn't cut corners. He 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 what they called increased the gap between what he spent and what he's ma- what he made. Yeah. By just picking up extra jobs, saving money, he really focused on real estate. And that's the kind of guy who will know every single detail, and he'll retire with some properties. And that's the ultimate goal is to have that residual income later in life. Otherwise, why would you own the, the real estate? I'll be uh, honest with you, Tony. I almost disagree with you. Remember when I bought that uh, property seventeen, eighteen years ago in, in Raleigh, North Carolina? I was like, I'd like some residual income when I retire. And now it's, it's going to kick off a whopping $12,000 a year. I can't live off that. Not even the pay. Like, but if I lived in North Carolina or if I had a trailer in Georgia, maybe that would be quote unquote residual income. Isn't it interesting? Just like the perspective, like, and I'm, I want to ask like 20 years ago when I brought you to California, I, you were a friend of mine on the East coast. I was like, I need a good mortgage guy. Um, I think the deals were you were, you were saying like people would come to you and say, I want to be a, a landlord. I want to buy a duplex. I want to live on one side and rent out to the other side. I want to babysit the renter kind of thing. Um, what are you getting people who want to be landlords? Are you getting, or is that kind of as affordability is, you know, broken down, are, are you losing the, uh, what I guess we would call the rental property investor. Most of the investors that we work with, um, manage their own properties and they're very, Okay. In depth in their their business, they they treat it. In fact, one of our favorite clients, he buys a lot of property all across the United States. That's all he does. His his spouse works and you know full time W two job, and then he just manages the the property. So I like that relationship. But you can get that. It took him a while to get to that that point. So I mean, I, I I'm selling my first property that I ever bought yeah. right now, and that's you were just talking about how Raleigh worked. You know, it, at, maybe at the time it worked for you. Yeah, it's the same. You've always talked about how when you buy stock, you have to have some reasons to buy it, and also have some reasons to sell it. Yeah, right. And and I think as things change, you have to just manage that that portfolio, that debt. We've seen a lot of people, especially with low interest rates, do that. They've seen prices rise, they've seen rents rise, and they've been able to take uh, some of their you know trim off the fat, so to speak, yeah. off their portfolio, and and go into from a two you know two unit you know kind of dilapidated property to a better four unit kind of building and get good rates. And we've seen investors do those types I, of I got old before I could become a successful rental investor. That's the other thing too, is that we, we, we're seeing more younger people look at investing as in, in property as for, as far as older people, because yeah. it just doesn't make sense as far as the portfolio goes. They're seeing the stock, the stock market plays a huge factor in this. Why would people get into real estate when they're seeing the stock market go up? So we've seen that, you know, 10 year run in both which has kind of divided a lot of people on stocks or on, on real estate. What, 
what is the most interesting part, I still see people putting tons of money. You're talking about three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars into investment properties to make maybe a couple thousand, like your property in Raleigh. Why yeah. I have this equity here? Why am I not making a big rate of return? So we still see people dumping my cash, money. My cash flow analysis sucks. Is what the answer is. And I saw right. CFP Chad Burton yesterday talking about. I just dropped three million on a property. I could have buy twelve homes in Raleigh for the same pro- amount of money. Right. And then I'm a, rent, uh, a rental investor, and then I have the, the monopoly. I've got the, the big empire, so to speak. Like Suddenly, I'm controlling lives, and I can put first wife in one house, second wife in another house, third wife in third house. <laughs> and at 12 later, you're like, are you a Mormon from like the 1600s? Maybe. For the record, I'm sorry to all Mormons. I did not mean that. <laughs> that is a lot of work, though. Um, I wouldn't want we, to do it. We would... We actually see more investors, like I said, trimming the fat and, and selling those properties and putting them into into like five plus units, apartment buildings, because it's easier to maintain. Plus, if you lose a tenant on a single family property, you lose 100 percent of those rents as opposed to a you know a, a 10 unit building. You lose one. It's only 10 percent. It's Tony Mendez with Bay Area Loan Source. We're walking down memory lane, doing a little real estate chatting. Stay with us. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. The Rob Black Show is on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search The Rob Black Show. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing in more today. Focusing a lot on real estate. Um, there's real estate that you like and there's real estate that you don't like. You should have that kind of concept in your head. When I'm a stock guy. You know, through and through, I'm a stock picker. I'm a stock picker's picker, so to speak. You can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Same thing with stocks, right? Um, real estate, I remember getting into the industry and learning about REITs, real estate investment trusts. And I've always found it like a brilliant concept as of a way of owning real estate. Um, so my producer, who can't really afford to buy here, I'm like, you could own commercial real estate. He's like, no, I can't. No, I can't. And I'm like, you can go out and buy a real estate investment trust, which is something that Congress set up to basically take care of Congress back in the 1960s. There's a lot of wealthy white guys who said, you know, how can we, you know, cheat the system? And uh, they set up what were publicly traded companies that had to give 90% of the profits of managing the commercial property back to the shareholders. And you got to have it professionally managed. The professional management would buy the building. They would operate the building. So you got the appreciation of the building, of the location, maybe a Chicago office space, maybe a New York office space, maybe a movie theater in Virginia. Um, there's different types of commercial properties. But what's interesting that I bring that up on is Chad and I, one of the first times I met him, we got into a vicious fight because he liked private rates. And I was like, you're just a salesperson. I'm like, you're getting that big kickback. He's like, yeah. And he's like, they flew me to Florida. And I'm like, you're uh, such a, a, a monkey. For lack of a better word, I was thinking about a donkey, but I can't say it. Yeehaw! Um, so in private real estate, there was these big kickbacks. So they, people like Chad would go out and find a wealthy investor who wanted to diversify their portfolio and he'd buy a private REIT. I, I don't like private REITs because there's no auditing, there's no accounting um, that I feel comfortable with. Um, I like, that's one of one. A lot, pri- of, a lot of front loaded costs for, the, of- for the investor. Yeah, and it, it's private. So and you, it's like a limited partnership. You're limited, and you're not the master. You're the slave. You know you can't say master bedroom anymore? I know. Primary. Primary. Isn't that crazy? 
to me, I don't associate the two, but I, I, I get it. So, um, anyhow, but I, I bring that up because when it comes to real estate, it, I think it's very personal and I want to be able to see it and touch it and feel it. Charlie Crackler once was on the show and he's like, why would you own a real estate down in like North Carolina? It, it didn't like make any sense to him. And he's like, I want to be able to travel to the property and see it. What are your thoughts on, uh, uh, I guess you'd say the personalization that comes with real estate. And it's like, some people can't afford California, so they go for North Carolina. There's definitely people who should not own real estate. Okay. Just start off and, and just say that. There's people who should just rent, rent, rent. Okay. Um, I don't mind owning real estate out of touch, out of reach, so okay. to speak, if you are used to owning real estate. Okay. I've owned real estate out of state. I, I own several properties out of state, and it's it works out. I use a management company. I think it's it's it, but it's getting easier with technology and the 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 apps. Well, I have one client who uses um, Airbnb. Yeah, and they they provide really good accounting for his rental properties that he uses. And so those types of technologies have made it easier to self-manage even from long distances. I, I know people who have investment property here within REACH. They, they never see it. So why not own property out of state? Uh, but do you remember when we flew to North Carolina? Yeah. And we sat next to a guy who was basically taking California money and buying real estate for clients. get a power of attorney. Yep. He goes and buys properties out of state, and this was their investment angle. Um so there was. I still know attorneys in California who do that. Every now and then they're like, you want to buy some stuff with me in Tennessee? I'm like, eh, not really. A, there, right now there's a big push towards that. Uh, Boise um, it was the number one city in the United States of for in, in, uh, a price appreciation. And we've seen a lot of investors go there. Uh, but that's just not the only city. All these second tier cities where jobs are moving, Austin, um, Utah right now is a, a big hot place. Denver, you saw what happened in Denver have driven a lot of investors to these cities because, you know, a lot of people are moving there for jobs, but not everyone's going to buy. But you're seeing limited inventory and a lot of demand, and it's driving up inventory. So we're seeing that push again I want, for I want to focus real estate I want to focus state. on, again, the fact that some people are, like, I'm turned off to private REITs because I know how they work. Right. I like publicly traded REITs. Um, do you remember, and I think he was a client of yours, but not for this, but um, the guy who owned uh, Trailer Parks, Um. I was I was shocked and stunned, and he was so. I'm like, I don't want to own a trailer park. I don't like. I don't want to own a, a mobile home. And he's like, you don't know how much freaking fracking money there is. And he's like, ching and like he like he lit up like a Christmas tree, uh, talking about it. I'm like, really? We just ran into a client that that makes he he's part owner, and he doesn't have to do anything. He makes about forty thousand dollars a year owning one. Yeah. So and then we find real estate investors. Uh, I know you remember this one. The guy who owns a property in uh, close to Truckee and marijuana growers came to him and said, we want to use your property to grow. And that's a weird way of getting rental business. But well, we, it, we had a client. It whose, is what it is. Right. House burned down. Yeah. In the hills. And he he ended up in, not rebuilding and he leases it out to marijuana growers. Yeah. And he makes more money that way than he would if he rebuilt the house and had renters. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's and for the record, I don't yeah. know any of the legal issues on leasing your home or renting your home to marijuana growers, if you know or don't know. And uh, again, trailer parks, I'm like, aren't the clientele low? Like we have really hardcore opinions. Um, what's well, a single family home like uh, Gabrielle? She's been listening to the show for over 20 years and for 10 years. She felt priced out of real estate, priced out of real estate, priced out of real estate. 
And then she finally, um, and she wants to get married. Not the best looking girl, uh, but she's got a tech job, but she's had like 17 tech jobs. So she's all, she's getting fired a lot or, you know, downsized a lot. Um, and I was like, why don't you just get a condo in San Jose? She's like, oh, condo. I was like, I'll come to your housewarming party. And then three years later, she sold said condo and bought a single family home. Yep. So, and she looked down on it is what I'm getting at is kind of like that approach of, there's a lot of psycho- psychology with investing. Like I like growth stocks. It's really, really tough to, to sell me on like a, a company that makes rugs. Uh, Mohawk Industries, a company who does flooring. I'm like, eh, eh, what's the sizzle? And I hate saying that because that makes me sound like a douchey banker. Um, but. Uh, condos are actually back in. Um, are they? Yes, they are. Okay. Uh, it, it's, you know, we talked earlier about, how, you know, what's the progression of, you know, what's the difference between the old investors in the old days and today? And that's one of them. It's, it, it, condos have come back as that entry home, the, the affordable housing, uh, especially in places, metropolitan areas like the Bay Area, uh, all across the United States that, are getting new owners into houses and you know, the, these interest rates, yeah, the prices are higher, but it gets them into ownership and it's still a, a achievable in many ways, but it, that single family home is still what they call King in the industry. It's seeing more price appreciation. It's, it's seeing more demand, especially across the United States. And that's what people are doing. That's one of the reasons that we're seeing places like uh, San Francisco losing some, a lot of people to single family homes in the East Bay. Yeah. And it drove up Oakland for the last three or four years, which was then, you know, the top one or two in the in the West Coast as far as a price appreciation because people are looking for that cheaper single family home farther away from work. So we're seeing a lot of different changes within, you know, the micro economies and micro geographics of large cities. It's interesting to note, um, again, 25 years ago, I was a little bit more of a snob and I didn't even realize it. I'd say, like, I would never own a condo because you could never really own it. You have condo fees until the day you die. But I have property taxes till the day I die. Like, I, duh. Like, and, and back then I was like, I was, I'd say that line 10 times and I probably got people to buy into my BS. Um, you know, you could own, like, prisons. There's, there's a housing situation that 25 years ago I'd go, I bet a lot of Americans are going to go to prison for life. And I, I think we're always going to have prisons. America's got a problem with prisons. We got too many of them. Um, so there was an investment angle, correction corp, and you can actually invest in the real estate of prisons, which is just surreal to think about. Um, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, I, I, I wouldn't put my money into that because I don't really believe in the prison system. I think it's kind of we, a broken system. We've definitely seen a lot more investors, you know, or especially first time home buyers talk about whether or not they should buy real estate or get into REITs. Um, I have always thought that if you could, if you don't have Bay area money down payment mm-hmm. wise to get that mortgage, you know, affordable for you and, and qualify to maybe take it out of state. And then if you're uncomfortable with that, what's another way to get into real estate? We're seeing more and more people say, get into REITs. Now you saw what happened uh, out of the, the, the big recession, the great recession and the, um, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they sold a whole bunch of properties to these large corporations and then they've now turned those into REITs. So there's three large, large REITs right now that just buy properties. They even build properties now to just rent. So it, it's, and you can get into those yeah. and still, you know, own rental property, but you're owning a very, very, very small portion of it. So, but, and they're very successful. And 
Companies like BlackRock yeah. spent a lot of money buying homes when people were getting foreclosed on in 2006, 2007, 2008. And that's what it was meant for. It was meant to put a bottom to the to the, the, the falling of prices. Yeah. And they were supposed to return these properties back to the community, to the to the buyers as affordable housing. But they've they, it was a loophole and they kept the properties because they saw inventory drop, they saw rents increase, and they saw profit. So there's a huge amount of inventory that's sitting there so, that's not owned by the general public. Look at a chart I'm showing you on the right here. Put on your glasses if you can. Oh, we've got 30 seconds. We'll come, we'll come back and do this in a second. But these areas here that are gray, it's a chart that goes from left to right. And the gray are recessions in America in the last um, 60 years. And you can see real estate. Yeah, you can see kind of some downturns in there. But not really even during recessions. It's interesting. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Take a break. We'll be right back. This is The Rob Black Show. So later in the show, and this is going to be a super long podcast today, tell friends about it. You can find it at Rob Black Show. I'm talking with a, a friend, a business associate that I've known for 25 plus years on a personal level, as well as on a professional level. I trust his thoughts when it comes to investing in real estate. I don't trust everyone. Um, Sometimes a lot of realtors want to get access to my audience. And I was a little bit shocked recently. Have you seen some of the products that realtors have now? I'll guarantee your home sells. I'll buy it if it doesn't sell for the price we agreed to. And I'm like, that seems kind of sketchy, but I don't know if it is or isn't. It just seems sketchy. Like the industry... And my industry does it too. Well, there's you know, a, financial there's products, a whole... promises, things they can't deliver. Like annuity, you're going to get paid for life. Right. You're going to get paid your own money. They don't tell you that. They make it sound like if you live to a bazillion years old, you're going to basically cheat the system, but it's your own money coming back to you. And there's a whole new, what they call iBuyer. That, uh, I learned that word recently. Yeah. I had, to, I had to look up the definition just to make sure I didn't you know, mess it up. But the, the iBuyers are, um, it's a very small percentage of, of transactions, about I think it's less than 1%, but it it's a new way that realtors can engage. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a new product because they're still buying and selling your house. They're still getting a commission. You're still selling your house. Uh, but they're, what they're doing is they're buying your house as is, yeah. and, and you don't have to do anything. They're giving you fair value in cash that allows you to go and buy live in the property right. until you buy a new house. Is that too good to be true, or what's the, what's um, the catch? Because they're, it's I'm an higher, old dog. Fees, higher fees, okay, higher fees, got it. but the, they're, they're selling the convenience of, Hey, we're going to give you the money now and you can go buy another house. You don't have to have that transition. So there there's, so we talked earlier about how like some of the changes and technology is really involved. Yeah. This is one of them. There's some algorithms that say, Oh, you know, we're seeing home prices and we can see the comps and we can really figure it all out. I'm intrigued by it. It's, it's, um, it, it's a company a, it's like a rep- Redfin and Zillow. They're actually going out and buying real estate. When, yeah, they, when they see that's, a, that's when they, they see do. a they dip in hold. price, they they're going, that all that's a good one, mm-hmm. and we'll be able to sell that at some point in time. Yes. It's crazy to think about because you're like, aren't you just a business of, of getting agents to do an MLS listing with you, at like getting the, the selling the leads? Like, nope. Mm-mm. They're actually buying inventory, which is, to me, uh, it's a, like if you, I can go buy shares of Redfin, which I think is uh, – my children will never use a, a traditional real estate agent. They're going to be using an app. Um, so much so that I, you know, the iBuyer is a new thing. It's all app driven. I want to come up with the i coffin. <laughs> it's a big glass coffin you get buried in. They could swipe left and right. People could like you or not. 
hey, he looks like he's okay nicely. But um, the eye by respect. Let's go back to that. It's definitely distracted me because I'm not thinking about like how you use an eye coffin. Steve Jobs is buried in the eye coffin. We can mm. look him up right now. It's pretty solemn. You know what's interesting? Um, going through my house because I'm selling it to buy another one. Um, I found one of the original Max um, prototypes in my house. It's in my car right now. You can go bust into it and steal it. <laughs> so, yeah, the eye, the eye buying business is. Uh, I think that's going to grow. I don't know how much of a market it's going to take because people still. Um, it, it's again, it's a convenience to help a seller to buy. And in this kind of market, it works. Will it work in the future? They'll probably adapt. Um, but it's not. That's not the only part of how technology has helped the business. It's on the mortgage side as well. Uh, there's a lot of way. You know, the 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 big companies. I don't like really saying those names. Have apps now. You can get pre qualified very easily. Yeah. The the one part that I don't like is the human element that I believe real estate and mortgages really need. Uh, because if you go to an app and you're self-employed and you were W-2, you went self-employed, you put in your new number, you can't use your self-employed income because you haven't got two years of it, but it's going to still tell you you're qualified. It's a junk in, junk out type of app. That still needs to be worked on and evolved. But um, So they're, they're playing right now on the whole app and convenience part. Yeah. So, um, but what we did... Don't be a dinosaur, dude. I, no, no, no. What, what the pandemic kind of helped the silver lining there for real estate is that the technology was uh, was pushed forward very quickly. Uh, the mortgage industry was already perched right there to make some big advancements and they and and they embraced it. So did the real estate business, the the buying and selling homes. As anyone who did in the last, you know, 18 months has seen it's just been an incredible wave of new technology. You you even experienced it with the whole, you know, not robo signing but, you know, yeah. uh, e-signing, docu signs yeah. and and that's that's the way great, you can buy great, a house great now. It's also the way you great can see stock a house. to invest in DocuSign. So the realtor is like, do you want me to send the person who comes to your house and takes your ID and you do a thumbprint, or do you want a DocuSign? I'm like DocuSign. Um, it's not even a question. California has not adopted that in the mortgage business yet. You still have to physically sign documents, but there are 17 states and growing in the United States that will that that do um, uh, DocuSign mortgages. Yeah. We will get there. You know what I found interesting is titling, and we're going to talk about my new property in the next hour. But the going through title, they're a pain in the butt. They they're like, oh, you got to watch out for wire fraud. Oh, you got to watch out for wire fraud. But to the point that they're like, they they kind of talk down to me. I don't like that. It's a, it's a tough business. The um, I don't think people give escrow officers and and title companies enough credit. Really? Yeah. You're you're. Choosing, I, I, you're choosing the side of them, huh? I am in this case. I, they they are title companies savior matter, from, huh? Yeah, they do, they do. They they make the transaction work. In fact, if you were to buy your house and not use a title company, you will have a lot of trouble getting a mortgage. Do you know I got uh, that, that delayed re, the delayed financing? You'd have trouble getting it because you don't have a settlement statement. Do you know I got in trouble at the station for? I was talking about titles at one point in time, and I was like, "Yeah, back in Virginia." you do a title search. And I was trying to explain what a title search is because it shouldn't be that difficult to explain. I was like, so back in Virginia, I owned a home that had slave quarters and you do a title search to make sure that there, it wasn't given away at one point in time to someone like a slave or like a, an uncle. And 
I should just use the uncle example because people got really, really angry that I used the word slave. And I don't, I still to this day, I like, I don't know what I can and can't say. Um, but titling is, it's important, but it's still kind of a pain in the butt. And it seems to be a little bit of a racket. It's a necessary evil, is what I think you're trying to say. It seems to be a little bit of a racket. So if I bought my house 10 I'm, years ago and I'm selling it to you, I'm it's got a clean title. It's already been checked once. I, I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm defending the people that work there. They work very hard. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at Bay Area Loan Source. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Rob Black Show is on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search The Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.